This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Behold Podcast, everybody, whether it's the morning time, afternoon time, maybe even the evening time, we're thankful that you've chosen to join us for this little little section of time to behold the Lord together. My name is Sean and your name is... Dan Gillette. And regardless of whatever time of day it is... the important thing is it's it's really Christmas time. I mean, that's the time that we're really getting into right Christmas now. Christmas time is here. Yeah, so um, Merry Christmas to all of you out there, and hopefully you're having a magical season thus far. Yep. Staying, staying dry, hopefully, this last week or so. I've been enjoying the rain. I think it's been really nice. Um, we have an amazing guest today. Should we should we launch in, or, or why don't you tell them what, where we're at in our series first, and then maybe we launch in. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings here at Valley Bible Church, or if you've just been following the podcast, we've been hitting it every week. We've been a couple weeks in now with our uh, new teaching series about the gospel of Luke. Glimpses and, of glory. Yep. Glimpses of glory. I like it. And it lines up perfectly as we're heading into Christmas now, uh, but we're going to keep going on Luke for the next year or so as a church family. So we're really excited about that. And the last uh, two weeks, we've dove into the first part of Luke 1, you know, which is really just setting the stage for, um, well, ultimately, it'll be the coming of Jesus, right? The birth of Jesus. But right from the beginning, it was John the Baptist and kind of digging into why that is so impactful of, of a moment, you know? And a lot of us know who John is and we've read scriptures referring to John the Baptist. And yet, uh, God had a really intentional plan, specific plan in his coming to the world and then proclaiming and preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. It's been a really great time of saying that together. And then now we're continuing on in Luke 1, and we're going to talk a little bit about Mary today. That's so awesome. About. It's going to be great. Before we get into that, let's uh, let's bring in our guest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a first-timer on the podcast. Wow. Uh, hopefully a long-time listener, uh, but he is- uh, He had a really steep speaking fee, so we had to save up for it. That's right. But uh, we've been trying to get him on this thing for a long time. He is the talented, the handsome, the gifted Stephen Greenaway. Everybody make make some noise wherever you're at. Stephen, say hello to the good, <laughs> hey guys. The good people out there. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you, man. It's an honor. Um, and you're, you're fresh off of uh, being, b- being boots on the ground. <laughs> fresh off of being on a boots, train. Yeah, the, boots the train. On the train. Boots on the train. That's right. So you were... Uh, fortunate enough to get to uh, get one of those those hot tickets to get on the train of lights last That's night, right. and uh, why don't you give the good people just a little report on how that event went and just give us like some fun highlights? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Valley Bible Church hosts the Train of Lights, and we give out around four hundred tickets a year, and so there were there were over four hundred people. What is the, on train, the train of lights? If, if you don't know what it is, explain it. Uh, it's a train that goes from okay, Sonol so <laughs> to Niles and then back, and it's covered in lights, Christmas yeah. lights. It's oh. like a historic. It's not like an Elon Musk like like bullet train. It's like a historic yes. railroad yeah, kind of. There's 16 carts, and there's some carts that are indoors, some that are open air, and there's lights on the outside of the cart, but also on the inside, and. We have music. We have there last night. There were two teams on either side of that started on either side Which of the train. Better? I'm just kidding. Don't say it. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I honestly think at one point the two teams hit my cart at the same time. Dude, that's, that's magic. And I think we got a remix going on. It's like on a with battle everybody. of the teams. It was Eurovision. pretty cool. They all sang together. It felt like everybody there. Well, everybody there was singing. That's so yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And uh, and yeah, so. There's music, there's people dressed up as Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, uh, and the high school ministry puts on a fundraiser for scholarships and just, you know, helping people pay for trips that we do. And so we do a hot chocolate bar, hot cider, cookies, brownies, popcorn. Um, Yeah, and this year, well, last year we learned that, well, we ran out of drinks, last oh. year and so 
That's not good. You That's kind of that. lame. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't want you're that. at a hot chocolate bar on no more hot chocolates. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> and then we also ran out of popcorn. Ah, popcorn is the hot ticket Which item. Which I would have never guessed that popcorn would be the it's a hot classic. ticket item. It's a classic. Y- you know, when I think about popcorn during Christmas, I think about the the garland where you put the needle and thread yeah. through the popcorn kernels that you hang it on your tree. So maybe that's what people were feeling. They were vibing with that. Yeah. So we probably doubled the amount of popcorn that we brought this year. Still ran out in the first wow. like 15 minutes. That's impressive. So next year I'm going to spend all day. Just popping Making corn. Popcorn. Popping corn. <laughs> the real question is, would you recommend Train of Lights next year for someone who didn't go this year? 100%. That's wow. Awesome. You heard it yeah. here first, ladies and gentlemen. It should also be said, and most of you know this, but Stephen Greenaway is pastor to high school students and their families here at VBC. Yep. That's that's his main role here, although he wears a lot of different hats. But uh, that's cool that high school ministry has been holding down the the snack and refreshment front on the train for a number of years. And I know that's a, that's a huge blessing to, to the high school students and their families and to the people attending the train. And hopefully, you know, our goal every year with the train of lights is, is it's a, it's kind of an introduction to our church family because hopefully people are inviting friends that maybe aren't involved in a church or they, they're not following Jesus yet. And it's just a great opportunity for us to kind of rub shoulders with them, for them to get a little, a little vibe of our community, the way we love each other, and, and really sense the aroma of Jesus, you know, as they're kind of enjoying the train. And I know over the years, a number of people have found their way to become part of our church family through the train of light. So, yeah. so anyway, it was, uh, it was a great time. It sounds like, and we'll see how God uses it. Um, so big shout out to, uh, Wayne Johnson for, for putting that together every year. And, um, it's affectionately often called the Wayne train. So <laughs> thank you, Wayne, for all your hard work behind the scenes to make that happen. And if you, if you enjoyed it, appreciated it, feel free to, to drop Wayne a little note. Uh, and just so you guys know, Wayne opens the tickets up to Valley Bible Church first mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. And then after that, he offers it to the community. And so get in while you, you can. Got, yeah, you got to get it while Act you can. Act now while supplies last. Like right when, right when the announcement is coming out, time is limited. Pull yeah, the trigger. Pull the trigger. Yeah, and stuff like this as a church family is just worth its weight in gold. Like these types of events where we're in community, it's an easy it's easy opportunity to invite family or things like that, friends that maybe are a little bit apprehensive about entering a church service, you know, great opportunities there. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for being with us, Stephen. We're excited to to get into to Luke 1 with you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Here's a little bit of trivia. Sorry. Do do either of you know when the first official survey map was drawn of the town of Pleasanton? Oh, what what a random, what a random thing. The survey. So it's like before they built the town. The first official town. Yeah. yeah. What year? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say like 1908. Wow. Steven? Oh, lower or higher. If you know your history of Pleasanton, you should know this. (laughs) Not the year, but at least if it's lower or higher. Well, I don't, obviously. Uh, <laughs> they I'd didn't say talk about it, it on the train lights or anything? No, I'm going to say... Ah, uh, man. I got to say lower. I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm going to go 1900. 1868. Yes! Wow, that is so long ago. Here's the cliff note of Pleasanton history. Pleasanton exists because of the gold rush. Famous 49ers, and originally it was just like a trade depot along the train tracks nice. going more inland. So now you know. That's part did, of the, that, that route you just went on, or you went on, the Niles yeah. route was for, for Gold Rush stuff. I do know it used to be a floodplain. Like it, it used to flood a lot, and that's oh, wow. why you have all of the canals. And uh-huh. every once in a while, somebody votes to try to fill the canals. Just like, you like you just idea. can't do that. It sounds like a We're idea. on a floodplain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not do that. Might help home prices, though. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So back to the Gospel of Luke. Like I said, we, we got this introduction to to uh, the birth of John the Baptist with Zechariah, and we saw his response, right, to, to that. And then now we're talking about Mary um, and just this amazing account of her learning this amazing news, right, of, hey, you're a virgin, and guess what? You're going to give birth to someone who 
basically is God is what I'm implying to you. Mm -hmm. And what's your response? And I think a lot of us would freak out, right? If we were in this situation or respond with fear or just doubt, you know, and yet Mary's response is just amazing and a great model for us. So maybe just to open it up off the bat, as you guys listen to Charlie here, I guess, and then I was, you Altamonters were Nathan at the Altamont, the same section of scripture. Uh, what are some of the first things that spoke to your heart or jumped out to you? Yeah, for for me, it was, well, first of all, the Gabriel, he he came to both of them and just how he led the conversation with them. You know, he's an angel of God. He's very prepared for the situation. <laughs> he knows the plan. Yeah. And he comes in and he instantly starts with both of them saying, do not be afraid. And then he leads with this good news for Zechariah. He says, your prayer has been heard. Mm. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And then with Mary, he says, do not be afraid. You found favor. Mm. You have favor on you. Yeah, that's and, so good. And it's then that's what makes it so interesting <laughs> where after it just the response to those to those statements to that good news which is very different between Zechariah and Mary and it got me thinking about my life in different situations that I go in go into just sometimes I respond like Zechariah and sometimes I respond like Mary and mm. it's good to consider why that might be yeah, I think it's really an important conversation because God is revealing his plan to us all the time through the circumstances of our lives, through conversations we have with people, through things that he reveals to us in scripture, ways that he speaks to us in prayer. And I think whether it's good news or or maybe news that we don't perceive to be as good, it, it's a great question to, to, to kick around because when when God reveals something to us, oftentimes it's different than what we expected. Do you guys agree? Yeah. 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 And so we we have to try to we have a choice. It's a crossroads every every time. Are we gonna are we gonna respond with faith like Mary, or are we gonna respond with with doubt and uncertainty like Zechariah did? And I think that's one of the lessons of this of this section and. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing to me just this whole thing. I mean, cuz cuz even an immaculate conception on itself is just amazing and miraculous and and just a lot to process in the moment, right? Yeah. But but even even beyond that and and even more significant than that is Mary's being told by Gabriel, "Hey, this this long-awaited Messiah that that you've been hearing about your whole life that generation after generation has been has been longing for to see God you know enact his plan of redemption you, that messiah is going to you're going to bring that life into the into the world i mean it's just it, it's so amazing and likely none of us have have ever gotten a message like that from god <laughs> right yeah. um but even though it's good news and 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 there's favor attached to it that God chose Mary for a reason, right? Because of how she, her devotion and her trust and the way that she lived her life. Um, but a lot of times what we don't talk about is the difficulty that comes along with that, right? The, the perception in her community over not being married and, and being with child. Uh, do you think a lot of people believe that the Holy spirit conceived this child? <laughs> no, a lot of people probably, uh, shunned her and, and assumed that she had been sinful and shameful, you know? And so there's all kinds of difficulty and, and issues with that. But, but I think the choice that she chose, God, God blessed because she, she, she chose faith. Yeah. You mentioned expectations. Mm -hmm. And when I think about Zechariah's situation, you know, he was a Levite and he has been preparing his whole life for this moment mm. where he can go in and represent Israel. Yeah. And he has heard tons of stories throughout his whole life. 
and this is his, you know, part of his job. Yeah. And he had massive expectations mm. of what he thought was going to go the down. In there. Like, yeah. And I, th- you know, just looking at my life and for you guys as well, I'd say it's very easy when we're going into our jobs to have massive expectations mm. of what it's been like for years or what things happen or, you know, just what might go wrong or what it's supposed to look like. Mm. And I know for me, that's a, that's a constant struggle or, you know, just being prepared mm-hmm. without like leaning. having a plan, but open handed yeah. with the yeah. plan. Well, and, 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 and excuse me if this is out of pocket, but is, is part of that, like filling the big shoes of like Tim Barley, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, because there was, he, he had this longevity and, and these results and success for so many yeah. years. And then you're sliding in to take over for that. I yeah. mean, is that part of what you're talking about? Yeah. I'd say that's part of it. I think even bigger than that is just the culture that he mm. created yeah. in the church. And, you know, they're there were a ton of expectations wow. and I had expectations Sure, <laughs> and I, I often had even more expectations than other people because I was serving within the high school ministry. I went through it and I served in it for over eight years before I took on the role. And, and then, you know, with COVID that just added a whole nother level yeah, you probably of, learned some lessons really quick, you know, just about about having yeah. like being a good steward, working hard, but also having an open open hand. Yeah, with with regards to how God is going to reveal His plan specifically. Yeah, well, we were doing ministry so differently, or you know, just during the COVID crisis, and it instantly was like all the expectations are, <laughs> yeah, just blown out, out of the water. Yeah. You know, so what are you going to do now, Stephen? <laughs> Can you relate to that, Sean? Like, do you, how, how do you, how does that play out in your life where, how, how, how do you kind of cultivate this attitude of like, Hey, I'm going to have a plan, be a good steward, do, do, do my part, but then trust God and kind of be open handed with all of it. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this isn't just ministry specific. This is probably anybody yeah. who wants to be effective in whatever they're doing, right? There's a degree where as humans, and even a lot of this is like, like you're sharing from a godly heart of wanting to be a good steward of having effect for the kingdom or in your families or whatever, you know, that starts in a good place. But then so easily we can cross that line of where we're starting to measure the success of what we're doing in life by X, Y, and Z and not by just, am I being faithful, you know? And so for sure, as we're ministry leaders and pastors and overseeing things, of course, there's always going to be those things where it's like, man, I would love for people to respond to this way for music, which we just talked about the other week with worship, right? I would love to have this many small groups going, you know, at the ultimate. Yeah. I'd love to have this many people coming on Sunday. And it's easy for us to equate those things with, oh yeah, these are advances for the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. you know? So of course it's righteous to desire these things. But then I think for me, just one of the red flags that um, God's been pretty faithful to raise in my heart whenever these things kind of happen is... Man, it's just when you start valuing those effects over just the initial response of, am I being faithful in my role? Yeah. And that's where Satan really can get a foothold in just skewing your perspective or creating strife when there shouldn't be and causing discontent when there shouldn't be, you know? So I try to have a really good uh, just handle on like the last week, the last month, have I been faithful in my role? You know, have I been honorable? Have I been trying to be above approach? Have I just been just a faithful servant. Yeah. And if I have, then I'm okay. You, you trust know? the results. Yeah. Then if, if I haven't seen the number, I want to see whatever it is. And I'm okay. Cause I know I've been faithful, you know, yeah. for sure. If I haven't been faithful, I'm not saying things. That's a good time to assess, you know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe Readjust, make some yeah. adjustments in your life for sure. Well, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing to, to think about why part of the reason why Jesus was a stumbling block for people, especially the, you know, the religious elite and, and, you know, the, the super devout Jews that were awaiting this Messiah. It's part of the, part of the problem why they didn't, a lot of them didn't prepare room for him in their hearts and didn't receive him as their King because he was not the kind of King that they were expecting. Yeah. Right. You don't, you don't expect this, the, you know, your savior, 
to be born in the dirt, you know, on a cold night, like in a, in a, in a manger, it's not. And then you think about how Jesus lived his life, you know, like a, like a homeless hippie, you know, roaming around from, (laughs) and he didn't take on the government and he didn't, he didn't arrive with all this fanfare, um, you know, and I think ultimately he came to die. I mean, that's not, that's not when you picture kind of a a conquering hero, it's not, (laughs) that's not what comes to mind. And it's, it's a great kind of picture of, of how sometimes we live our life is we, we know God's going to do something. Um, we know he's got a plan and, and we, we can't see the end of it. We're just kind of walking step by step. And as we go, we, if we're not open to, to what he, how he's going to unfold that plan, we, we could get, we can miss it or we could yeah. get, um, and not miss it in a sense where we mess up the plan. Like we know that God's sovereignty is over that. Right. But I think we miss it in, in, in the sense of we don't, we don't get to experience the blessing and encouragement and protection that Mary experienced. And sometimes we, we more have a Zechariah experience, right? Yeah. Because we're, we're fighting against God. We're doubting him. We're, we're not, we're not walking in faith. And, you know, I, I think it's a great, it's a great opportunity for us to, realize that God is in control and he's proven himself to be trustworthy all throughout his whole, his sacred history with his people. And we can trust him now with, with the details of our life, whether it's like our job or our family or where we live or, um, you know, the economy or politics or whatever we, we can trust him. He's trustworthy. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about Mary's response is, you know, her heart is behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Let it be to me according to your word. And she could have said, let it be according to your word. But mm-hmm. she said, let it be to me according to your word. And, you know, Sean, going back to what you were saying, if I'm being faithful, if I'm seeking out the Lord, if I'm serving him and genuinely trying, you know, training to serve him better because of our love for him. Mm. Whatever comes, let it be according Mm. to your word. So I think that's, that's the call to me in this passage. That's like the mindset, that's the attitude. Yeah. That's how you get out of the Zechariah situation (laughs) or you avoid that is by, Hey, I've got these preparations and I'm, I'm, actively training to be a good servant of the Lord Mm. to be like Jesus, how he came as a servant Mm. of his father. And as I'm doing that, Lord, whatever comes, you know, whatever you decide, you know, whatever results or whatever fruit come out of it, it, that's in your hands. It's all for your glory anyways. So why should I have my hands in what I think the result should be? That's so good. And I think that that word servant is such a a lens we can look through, right? And I was just thinking about this recently because there was a situation with some friends and who it just there there was division when there shouldn't have been, you know? I was like, man, why is this happening? Because like it seems like we should be so easily be able to be on one accord on this situation, you know? And it kind of struck me that, and I think that all of us have had this happen and it's a temptation that that can happen. We have to be diligent about is I think it's so much easier for us to be servants with our hands than it is for us to be servants with our hearts, right? And there's so many situations where we, we can yield the floor in a situation to someone else with our hands or in action or whatever it is, but in our hearts, we're still not really doing that. We're not really yielding, you know? We're saying, all right, fine, you can do it your way, but we're not really serving them like Jesus would serve them, right? We're not serving with our hearts. And so I've been thinking about that a lot the last couple of days of just, man, the, especially as ministry leaders, I know so many people listening who serve in ministries. I've, I've seen your faithfulness, all of you guys. And yet still, I think for all of us, that that's an easy human tendency is we're so easy and quick to serve with our hands and our time, whatever. But then in our hearts, we're not really having that same desire that Jesus shows and then Mary shows of no, use me. I'm really trusting that this is for your benefit, God. You know, so I've been using that as a lens of conviction and an encouragement the last few days. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I don't know if this is a thing. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of drawing a little line here. So 
we see in verse 27 that th- this prophetic word that that the Messiah would be born from the house of David, that there would be a line from 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 David to 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 Jesus. And you see that that how God faithfully made that happen. And it's kind of amazing if you think about all the generations that passed between David and Jesus, God did it and he made it happen. And you see his, his intentionality in, in basically like a, a, a lineage, a heritage, uh, you know, there's something significant there and then attach that to the, 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 the servant, the greatest servant of all, like our servant King Jesus, who, like you said, Stephen, he came not to be served, but to serve. He was begotten from someone that, that identified themselves. Hey, I'm a servant. Of, I want to be a servant. I want to be a faithful mm-hmm. servant. Isn't that cool? You see like that lineage of, you know, from, from, from David to Mary to Jesus. And this also this servant lineage, you know, David to, to Mary to Jesus. And I think, man, what a great model for us, huh? Amen. Absolutely. You know, another thing that really stood out to me, I'd love to hear how it landed with you guys is just that, uh, just this amazing statement in verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. And just, you see Gabriel telling, telling Mary that, Hey, these amazing things, two amazing conceptions are going to happen. And from a natural standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. But I'm trying to tell you right now, God is doing something miraculous and nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Where did that land with you guys? And what do you think is the significance for us, uh, even as we kind of approach Christmas? Well, going back to what Gabriel said, he said, greetings, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. And that word Lord is master. Hmm. Like his comfort to her is... Hey, the master is with you. And, you know, that's a, that's a call to us. Like, who do we see God as? Are we seeing him as our master? That is the master of the universe, Mm. the Lord of the universe. You know, that, that should be a comforting thing to us. Like that, that's part of the good news is that Jesus, God, he's our Lord and Savior. He's the master and he's good. And we have favor, you know. Yeah. Greetings, oh favored one. (laughs) The Lord is with you. And that's the call to me when I think about, you know, just what's going on in my life and, oh, there's no way God could pull good out of this. (laughs) No, he's... (laughs) He's, he's the master of this universe. Yeah. If he's calling me to do something, he will provide. He's giving me what I need. He, I mean, through Christ, we are favored children and we have the, the master living inside us. Wow. You know, it's not just, it's not just that he's like sitting next to us. He's dwelling inside me. And so whatever comes, whether it's promised to me or not, I know that the Lord, the master is with me and that should bring me comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that you're scratching the itch of like why it is that someone could say with confidence and nothing's impossible for God. And it's, it's just that, that, that relationship of knowing who your master is, you know, you know, it makes me think of when humans are traded as slaves and I mean, sadly they still are in parts of the world, but it used to be pretty commonplace. And that relationship of slave to master, if you're a new slave or you haven't met this master and known who they are and what that interaction should look like, um, could be a very traumatic experience. You know, you wouldn't know how to operate in that paradigm. Or I even think about like, say your, your pets, if you have a pet dog and you're that dog's master if that dog doesn't know you yet and it's your first time meeting them at the shelter or, or whatever the situation is, then of course it's not going to be a reflection of what that relationship is supposed to look like, right? Because they don't trust you. They don't know who you are. They don't know how you're going to respond to the way that they act and vice versa. 
And obviously the relationship between a slave and his master or a pet and his master are very, very different, right? Than ours and, and God. Yeah. But I think the same process happens with us with, if you don't know what that relationship is supposed to be like, mm. you know, and you don't know who this person is and you don't interact with them, building that trust with them, then of course you're not going to respond in life in a way that reflects that truth, right? And a little bit after that statement, when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and then breaks into that prayer, just beholding God, she does that process so well of recounting God's faithfulness to his people, right? And it's clear that like, she knows this master, right? It's not just, oh, an angel appeared and said a message of God. And so she said, all right, cool, I'm, I'm in. She already had a, a deep faith in who God was because of his faithfulness to his people over generations and generations, right? In the Magnificat, that's what that prayer is called. Yeah. And so because of that, man, she was able to respond so quickly, trusting when the angel says nothing's impossible. She's like, right on, be it unto me, right? Yeah. And the same thing in our own lives. I mean, we talk about this all the time on this podcast. It's called the Behold Podcast. And it'll never stop being uh, the message because that's that's the reality is we have to be beholding who Jesus is, who God our Father is, who the Holy Spirit is in our lives and welcoming that in our lives as a process if we want to have that kind of faithful response of like, right on God, nothing's impossible for you, right? Yeah, well, and here's where the Holy Spirit helps us. And I love how Charlie unpacked that when 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 Mary was asking, okay, and again, she's she's it's a logistical question. It's not a it's not a doubting question, but she's 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 asking Gabriel. I mean, I, I'm not, I haven't been with anybody. I'm not going to be with anybody. How is this? How is this going to happen? And Gabriel says that the, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of uh, the Most High, will overshadow you, and and that's how Jesus is going to be conceived, and. Charlie did an amazing job of just saying that same description of activity that the Holy Spirit would do in Mary was what was happening, you know, in the, during the process of creation, that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters and you see God's agency being, being, being carried out through the Holy Spirit and where, where the Spirit is at work, God's, God's hand is at work. And I think for us, you know, the implication there is, is the, the spirit of God's one of his roles that he plays in our lives is to help us be reminded of what God is capable of, right? That, that nothing is impossible with God. And so whether it's a relationship that you think is, it's impossible for that relationship to ever be restored, or it's a circumstance that seems just so bleak and, and you can't see a way out or, it's through a financial struggle or a trial that you're going through at work, or maybe a wayward child who, who you're thinking there's no way that they'll ever come back home. God wants to encourage us through the Holy spirit, just as he encouraged Mary. Cause remember when, when Mary went to go visit Elizabeth, there was this, this um, encouragement that, that, that the spirit was, was, was stirring both in her and in Elizabeth to, to, to strengthen both of them and to, to be reminded of God's character and to be reminded of God's promises. And it's the same idea we see in Romans chapter eight, where the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. So think, think about this logistically. So when we put our faith in Christ, we get baptized into Jesus by the spirit. And so what that, what happens is the spirit of God takes up personal residence in our inner being and so as we are staying in step with that spirit and abiding with that spirit, um, he will speak to our spirit <laughs> and remind us things and tell us, tell us what's true and help us understand what our God is capable of and help us understand what's true and, and, and parse out the lies and, and to, to do what we've been talking about in terms of just trusting Jesus and taking each step forward and just with open hands, um, kind of letting his plan unfold. And that is what the spirit of God wants to do in us. And for me, as I was listening to that, it's like, man, I just, I want to make sure I'm partnering with him. I want to make sure that I'm staying in step with him. I want to make sure that I'm giving him space to speak to me, right? Because th there could be something that he's speaking to me, but I'm just not, I don't hear it because maybe I'm too distracted by my circumstances or I'm too busy and stressed out or I'm too focused on my plan and I, he's speaking and I can't hear. And so I think that 
the this that's something I've never I've never really thought deeply about just the spirit's role in this Christmas story and what the implications are for us as as you know as we're indwelled by his spirit. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean it's again, I feel like this is a topic that we hit a lot as well, but the reality is unfortunately for so many of us, like you said, our main parameters for how we establish our goals in life, how we make decisions about the this year as a family, how we use our budget, and all those things, they tend to be things like what makes me comfortable? Hmm. What do I want to do? You know, what are the what are the things I want to see happen in my family in the next 20 years, you know? And none of those things are bad questions, right? But we so frequently consider those things apart from God in the process, right? Like how many of us establish our monthly budgets or whatever, not in prayer? How many of us try to have conversations about where we should live or what job we should take and not consider that first and foremost a, a thing for God to reveal to us, right? Hmm. And when we're talking about God revealing things, we know the main mechanism for that is the Holy Spirit for those who know Jesus, right? And this just reminds me of like, because so you, you see this in Luke a lot of just the profound power of the Holy Spirit when he's when he's with people. And I feel like we don't think about that very much, you know, but look at Mary and, and the impact that, that is told to her is going to be going to happen because of the power of the most high in her life. Right. Mm. When she goes to visit Elizabeth and the Holy spirit comes over Elizabeth and she has a response because of that. And that's why Mary breaks into that, that magnificat prayer, you know, even told about John the Baptist, who is supposed to be this prolific, the highest of all the prophets, the last of the prophets before Jesus. And, and it said that he is going to be born with the Holy spirit. Have you guys ever thought about that? Like, mm he's the only person in scripture that's described as being born with the Holy spirit. Dang dude. Not even Jesus. That's like, pretty awesome. Hot dang. And look at all the impact he had in preparing the way for the coming of Jesus. Look at Jesus, right? Obviously when he receives the Holy spirit and being baptized, that was an amazing moment. But then later it's described as he's doing miracles. Like the power of the Holy spirit was present for those things when he did them. So like we're seeing all these things of like, man, the Holy Spirit, which is God's avenue to affect your life in a tangible way, has incredible impact for the people who are faithful to God. And yet now we just kind of treat it like, oh, there's a spirit to make me feel good when I need it, you know, mm. or to tell me I'm being wrong when I'm being wrong. And it gets so much greater than that. And it's so much such a such a potential manifestation of God's life in our lives if we treat it that way, right? Well, and it, so many times during Christmas, the, we talk about gifts. And, and there's a lot of great spiritual analogies with gifts, right? But imagine you, you got this just amazing gift that could, could do all the things that you just explained. You just explained, Sean, can, can give you strength and power and, and encouragement and can be God's working in your life. And you unwrap this gift on Christmas and, and you, you're just in awe of it. And you're just like, wow, this is so amazing. What, what, a what a blessing, but then you, you just kind of live the rest of your life as if you never had, never received that gift. You don't, you don't explore that gift. You don't learn how to use that gift. You don't fan that gift into flame. You, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't investigate what the implications are. And I think that's a lot of times what happens is we, we trust Christ and we get imparted with this amazing gift of the Holy spirit living inside of us. And then we just kind of go on with our life as if we hadn't got that gift. We unwrap, yeah. we unwrap the Holy Spirit, but then we don't participate and partner with him in the ways that he wants to influence and change our life. Yeah, I think about just when I was younger, just getting a gift and that I've been wanting for <laughs> years sometimes. Yeah. And I get it and it's amazing. And I'm living in the light of this gift, you know? And then like a few months later, I just go back to baseline. Yeah. And you know, it's there, right. but the, the thrill of it is gone. Yeah. And I think that's human nature. Just after a while you get used to something and you stop, you're tempted to, Lose you the know, wonder and the awe yeah, and the yeah. gratitude. And, and yeah. just be content with like, 
or just take advantage of things or, you know, just not take it for granted. Yeah. Take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Holy spirit, like Jesus said, it is a benefit that mm-hmm. I leave. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting so excited right now in the anticipation of the birth of Jesus. Right. Jesus tells his disciples it's better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a benefit yeah. for me to leave because I'm going to send the spirit. That's the so helper cool. is going to come. Well, you know what else he said in John, John seven is he, is he says that the, the, there's going to be a, a well that's going to, that's going to spring up in, in you that is constantly fresh yeah. and renewing and overflowing. And, and then John tells us a little commentary. He's like, he's like, Jesus was talking about the Holy spirit in, in John chapter seven. And that, that is the answer for the human nature that you just explained, right? Because yeah. our, our our nature is to kind of uh, lose the sparkle, you know, like, yeah. and we get bored with stuff and then we need more stuff to feel excited about. Well, Jesus tells us, hey, the, the indwelling of my spirit in you is going to constantly be new and refreshing and, and constantly exciting. But you can't experience that if you're not, if you're not participating with what he wants to do, right? If you're just kind of, if you're quenching the spirit or you're completely just ignoring the spirit, you're not going to, you're not going to have that refreshing, ongoing, new experience with him. Yeah. And I think working with high school students and their families, I think often People can get to a point where they're just thinking too small about God. Wow. Mm. Like, as we were saying, nothing will be impossible. Mm. Like with, with God, with the spirit inside of you, if you're a child of God, transformation can and will happen. And it's just a matter of if we're partnering with the spirit or not. Mm. And, when we're thinking, when we're encountering trials in life or trials within the family, it's easy to think, well, this is what it's always been like. And my expectation is that it's always going to be this way. Wow. And it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. And I think sometimes people's just mindset alone will make it so that it will never change. If you're if you're always thinking, you know what the spirit is doing in me is not enough. Yeah, you know, it's like, like putting a cap on God on on God's ability. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah, like he God has given us everything that we need right. for life and godliness. He's not going to ask us to do things that he's not going to prepare us or give us the the ability to do. And through him, it's not us; it's him. Yeah. But just that's that attitude of walking into every situation as a servant of the master who's capable of all. Now, as I'm walking through my life as his servant, I'm not walking in fear. I'm not walking in anxiety. I'm walking in confidence, knowing that whatever comes, what com- whatever comes at me <laughs> let it be that way. Like the master's with me. Mm, And so it's just coming back to that concept of I'm a servant and the master's dwelling within me is the Holy spirit is dwelling within me. And that's something that not all the believe people didn't have before, before Jesus left and sent the helper. And it is so important for me as I go through my life to remind myself that we are under the new covenant. Mm. It's better than the old covenant. As much as I would love for God to part the Red Sea for me and (laughs) do all these miracles right in front of me, you know, be able to pass around a handkerchief and just heal people when they touch it. It's not better Mm. than what we have now. That's a great perspective. Yeah, and, and and not even just not better, but in some ways not as miraculous yeah. as the indwelling of God in yeah. our lives, right? 
Uh, and so, yeah, I, to me, it's one of my takeaways for today, if you're listening still, is, you know, Gabriel said, nothing will be impossible for God as the cap for him making the statement about what God's going to do, right? You say, God's going to do this impossible conception in two ladies because nothing's impossible for God. I think that's a good model for us to follow as far as how we consider what God says to us, how you pray for help and all those things is, and first and foremost, what does God say he's going to do in your life? You know, and there's a lot of things. Some of them are specific to your situation and you got to pray and listen, but a lot of things are just told flat out. God is going to do this in your life as a follower of Christ. And what's the number one way that he tells us those things? Through his word, you know, what's the second way? Through the Holy Spirit. What's the third way? Through circumstances and people in your lives, you know? But first and foremost, it's, it's his word. And so if you haven't spent that time like Mary did for the history of, of God's people, if you haven't spent time learning what God promises he's gonna do in your life through the Holy Spirit, man, you gotta do that. Yeah. John 14, read John 14, John 16, Romans 8 about life in the spirit. Like you gotta soak this stuff in. And then as you read these things, have that same attitude of, man, nothing is impossible for God. He says he's going to do these things. I got to be faithful, you know, and he's going to do them. And, and he's going to do them in his own way. Yep. It's not going to happen the way that I always think it's going to happen. So we got to we got to be open-handed with our expectations, right? Amen. Uh, and just to respond to what you're saying, see, it reminds me of one of my like life verses that I think about a lot, which is the end of verse, end of 1 Peter 4. And it's the section about suffering as a Christian, but just love just the way it's phrased of 19, which is the last verse that chapter is. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator and keep doing good, you know? That's good. And it just feels so like, I like the way it's phrased because it just sounds so like, well, duh, you dummy, you know? Like entrust your soul to a faithful creator, someone who created everything, who is sustaining life within you. You can trust him, you know? And just keep doing good, keep being faithful to what he's told you to do for now. Yeah, I love it. One last thing, I, I this is the last thing I just want to throw out there. And you see it in the in the last section that we looked at on Sunday. And just this this theme of humility. And it's such an important topic for us to consider as we go through this Christmas season, because it's really easy to make Christmas about ourselves. It's it's easy to make it about what we get, the experiences that we want to have, the whatever vibe we're going for. It can be very self-serving and, and self-focused. And I think that's one of the things that's most inspirational and, and remarkable to me about Mary is she she ends that section just by you know by magnifying the Lord by rejoicing in who he is and what he said he's going to do. And she, she looks at herself and and says, she realizes how humble and small she is. And, and she says, you, you've looked upon my humble estate and you have basically blessed me immeasurably. And you who are, who are mighty, you, you've done an amazing thing and, and, and holy is your name. and, and then it's it's really interesting. She she's almost reflecting on kind of this this history that God has throughout throughout His dealings with people and nations and kings. Uh, God has an uh, an amazing track record of humbling the proud, bringing the haughty and the arrogant low. He's really good at it, <laughs> and he's done it like many many times. And she points to that. She says he's brought down these mighty kings from their thrones, and she's, she's scattered the proud and God is really, really good at, at doing that. And we see in scripture, this, this idea of like God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And look, look what it says. Um, in verse 52, it says, you've exalted those of humble estate and you filled the hungry with good things and the rich you sent away empty. And I just think that's how God's economy works and it's so important for us to keep in mind during this Christmas season because it's so easy to make it about material things or about different experiences that we want to have from a from a temporal standpoint. And this is just a great reminder that God God values humility. He values a broken and 
he values a broken and contrite heart and not only just before him, but before others as well. And uh, that will be a great compass for us. It'll help us navigate this Christmas season in a way that, that magnifies the Lord. One of the, one of the things that I love about Christmas is everybody's giving gifts to each other. Mm -hmm. And it's such I think it's such a good heart check for me and I think everybody can utilize this. Like it's easy to compare what did I get versus what did I give? Yeah. And you know, my challenge to myself and my challenge to all of us is as we go into this season, maintaining a, an attitude of joy and gladness for what God has done and it does not matter what I receive. Mm. Just no, there's no comparison. There's no need to compare. Gift. Yeah. Exactly. No yeah. need to compare. Just give. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just with that in mind, just give, you know, heading into Christmas with all your families. I'll just do a little callback to the beginning of this episode of just, man, are you praying for opportunities and are you considering yourself to all these people, your family, your coworkers, your friends, are you considering yourself a servant to them, you know, and are you desiring in this Christmas season to serve them with your hands and serve them with your heart? Yeah. yeah. Great, great thing for us to consider. Well, thanks Stephen, for joining us. Yeah. Thanks we for had, having we me had again. a really sweet time. Um, Sean, any last little things we need to know about coming up this week? It's going to be a party. I mean, we'll start talking about it now, might as well, of our Christmas um, worship services we got going on. So Christmas Eve, we'll be here at oh, both campuses, 5 o'clock. Word around the street is come a little early because there's going to be some some goodies, hot chocolate and cookies and all that good stuff. So come early. And then Christmas morning, because it is one of those years, Christmas morning, we're going to be gathering together as a church family to Sunday, just Sunday, Sunday. have a Christmas morning to worship the born Jesus. I mean, amen, right? Come early to that too, because there's going to be... There's going to be treats too. going to be treats there I too. I think hot cider. Hot right? cider and the last I heard, I heard is cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon. Yeah. So get get here early and get get a little treat. So if not for Jesus, come for the cinnamon rolls. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if nothing hey, else. And I don't know about you guys, but we're making a big, big Christmas deal here on Sunday, the 18th. We're going to have a choir. The kids are going to be up there singing with us. It's just going to be a great, a, a beautiful time of worship. So don't miss this Sunday either. Yep, kids will be at both campuses. It's going to be a party. Cool. All right, y'all. We love you dearly. Hope this has been encouraging for you. See you guys on Sunday and then next weekend for our Christmas worship celebrations. Bye. Bye. Say bye, Stephen. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.